it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It is a new time for the show. We're doing things a little earlier here as we progress throughout the NFL playoffs, Championship Sunday coming up this Sunday, and then, of course, the Super Bowl a couple of weeks after that. So adjusting to a new schedule here, we make sure to keep you guys posted on everything we're doing at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. And Chris, it was a great weekend of football last weekend. As some would say, it's the best weekend of football of the year because you got games on Saturday, games on Sunday, and they're the best teams because it's the divisional round of the playoffs. As, as great as the wild card triple headers were on Saturday and Sunday, a week before that, this past weekend was just incredible from all aspects of, of football. Yeah, you know, it, it was. It was a good weekend. And actually, you know, was sitting there and through the weekend thinking, man, not many games have been all that good in the playoffs. I mean, you know, the quality, the closeness, the quality of plays fine, you know, in certain aspects, Scott. But, you know, you're watching how many close games. Um, uh, certainly, uh, it, it, the, the way it ended, uh, Tampa, New Orleans was pretty intriguing. Cleveland, you know, coming back on Kansas City's and was intriguing. Baltimore, Buffalo was close until it wasn't. Um, and then, you know, but, but, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see as we get into the conference championship week, hoping that we have two good games and, uh, they're a lot of fun when it goes down into the fourth quarter and you don't know who's going to win it. And it's about this drive here. It's that drive there and who can make a play. But the one thing that is you watch these games and studying them live, it usually turns on a play or a series. And even if it ends up being, you know, a 14 point spread or whatever, it changes. And I think like, for example, the last game we put to bed, Tampa and New Orleans, it's Jared Cook. Yeah. Um, the, the saints are up seven. They're driving may not to put it away, but to go up 10 or 14, probably taking it all the way to the fourth quarter. Boom. Fumble. Instead of the bucks having to start down 10 or 14, maybe back on their own 20. Now they've got great field position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're only down seven. Boom. Tie new ball game. Momentum changes. And it's just everything is just a completely different narrative written. So, um, and then in Kansas City, uh, Chris, I mean, the drama that unfolded in that game, yes, the the fumble at the end of the first half, which is I'm on the side that it's the dumbest rule in football. Uh, I, I do think that the offense has to be penalized for fumbling the football, but here's where the rule does not make sense to me, and it hasn't for years. If the if a player fumbles the football and it goes out of bounds at the one yard line, the offensive team just retains possession at the spot of the fumble if the ball advanced, you know, because you can't advance the ball on a fumble, right? So you just the offense just retains it one inch further, and that ball hits the pylon instead of going out at the one or goes into the end zone out of bounds, and we automatically give the football to the other team. I don't see that as being just reasonable at all i think it should be and and it's i don't know what you call it but maybe you call it an offensive touchback or something 
if you fumble the ball out of the end zone, the offense retains possession, but the ball has to move all the way back to the 20-yard line or the 25-yard line, something like that, because I just don't think it's fair. And and people are going to say, don't fumble. Just don't fumble, right? Don't reach for the pylon. I get it. I don't think it's fair to award a team possession, Chris, when they did nothing to earn that possession. They did not recover the football. They did not intercept the football. They did not turn you over on downs. So what did they do to merit earning the football? Well, I think they're two different things. And I think you mentioned, um, you know, people will say don't fumble. That's a coaching point. Don't reach out. Um, you know, I know being around them, Belichick hates it. To not do that with him. Don't reach out. It's just bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you're right. All right. So what has the defense earned there to get such a huge break for that mistake? I agree with you. And it's something that's we haven't really addressed a whole lot in all the, the owners' meetings. And, it, you know, it's been brought up a little bit, but not a lot. And I think it merits some consideration. I think it needs to be punitive to the offensive team, but but it shouldn't be that advantageous for the defense because basically they're not doing anything there mm-hmm. to earn that. And I think that there's a very valid point on that. And I think a lot of people agree with you. It's one of those things that was a rare occurrence for you. Yes, of course. It didn't happen a whole lot, so we didn't worry about it. Now, everybody does that now. Everybody reaches out to the point of, and, and again, let's put that aside. If we change the rule, not the rules not changed. So going into the game, for goodness sakes, the coach in me says, my goodness, you never do that unless it's the last play in the but first half. The I'll, last I'll contradict that, though. I'll contradict that, though, Chris. And you said it hasn't it hadn't happened a lot in the past. The way that the game has changed from a technological standpoint, with cameras in the pylons now. Yep. The reason why players are diving is because when they can go to replay, right, you course. can see whether or not the football crosses the plane. So it makes sense to dive for it because whereas you're whereas normally you'd be looking at a referee saying, "Eh, I don't think he crossed the line." Now you just go to the replay and the camera clearly can show you if that tip of the ball touched the tip of the white and it's a touchdown or not. I understand that. However, coaching point would be it's too risky to lose possession unless it's the last play of the game of the half where there is no other play. Mm -hmm. You got to think. Now, again, the rule is the rule. But let's just say the rule is that. We're going to change the rule right here on the Football Film Room Podcast. By God, we have changed it. Uh, as You're the competition said, committee. Here. It yeah. is. We're done. <laughs> we're 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 gonna move it back. The offense will keep the ball. We're gonna put it back to the twenty. That's what we're gonna do. You're not gonna you you you'll fumble through the end zone instead of getting it at the one inch yard line. You got to go back to the twenty. All right. Now that's that's better than the way they have it now, where you lose possession. Agreed. I still will say, in any situation other than the last play of the game. Or the last play of the half. Or fourth and goal or something, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it. I mean, you just you lose the possession, mm-hmm. you know. It, 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 it. What do you want? You want the ball at the 20 or you want it at the one-inch yard line for the next play? Yeah, obviously, if you're the offense, you want it at the one-inch line. Absolutely. So I'm not – my coaching point is, and here's the thing, it's not worth the risk. Let me give you an example. Um Belichick always says this, it, 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 what you get as a reward is not as good as you think because mm-hmm. yeah, you could line up on the next play and yes, you could fumble and lose possession. And I get that all true, all true, but the percentages are, you got a really good chance, even with one play, if it's, you know, one play, one inch, you should be able to make it on the other side. Let me give an example with Bill teaches when you're back up defensively. You, you got your, the the opponent has the ball on the one inch yard line. He says, "Line up off size." Yeah, because do you don't lose up. anything. What are you going to yeah. lose? You're yeah. going to lose it. Half second. a distance you're lose a, a blade yes. of grass. Do it every same time. Thing, same thing with the pass interference. There, if you're it's, if it's, if it's first and goal and it's a fade route and you're getting beat, just pull the guy down. 
You know, absolutely. yeah, because you got nothing to lose there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I guess so he's I, saying I, what? I, absolutely, knock, yeah. Just change, dive the football, knock the football, whatever. Yeah. Change the rule, mm -hmm. but the coach in me says, "Okay, you're playing in that game." The rule hasn't changed until we change the rule mm -hmm. that needs to be changed. By golly, let's make sure you protect the possession. Don't take that chance. That and that's think, the thing that concerns because I think that's that's very very costly. And, and with even forget about Mahomes exiting the game. Even with Mahomes in the game, at that point, if the Browns score a touchdown there, it is a completely different football game going into the half. Now the other aspect of that play Chris was that it was a clear helmet to helmet contact with the defender initiating contact by lowering his head by rule and we hear that in the NFL all the time by rule that should have been a penalty it was not thrown on the field and it's non-reviewable I guarantee you that will change the competition committee will get together and they yeah. will say that hits like that will now be allowed to be reviewed not challenged not challenged but reviewed by the booth in order to throw a flag retroactively. We saw it happen in the college football playoff semifinal. And college is different because in college, the booth can call down for targeting. There is no targeting in the NFL. The player doesn't get ejected. It, 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 the rule is not targeting. The rule is lowering the helmet to initiate contact, defenseless receiver. There's a whole bunch of different rules, but it's not officially known as targeting. In college football, we saw it. We saw it in the, in the semifinal. Uh, 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 Justin Fields gets hit. There's no penalty thrown on that play, Chris. But then while he's laying on the ground, the booth buzzed down to the official, said, hey, take a look at this play because it's probably targeting. They go to the replay. They view it as targeting. The player's out of the game. 15-yard penalty. If they had that ability in the NFL right there, forget about the fumble. That would have been Brown's ball, first and goal there because of a helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact penalty should have been Correct. called. Absolutely. Well, you know my feeling on it, uh, beating a dead horse. Uh, I, I, you know, they said, you know, get off of it, damn it. I've been told that many times. But the reality <laughs> is um, yeah, anything should be reviewed um, because that's the purpose of it. When you've got the technology and you have the ability to buzz down, you should be able to correct that. And I think – a lot of things, including that, should absolutely be brought into. And I know they say, well, that wasn't what we started. I get it. That's not you. It's correct. That's not how we started replay. But replay has to evolve along with the technology that allows things. Uh, I, I believe I've been saying for a while, I don't know when it's going to happen, but plays like we just talked about and not the the. Um, uh, the uh, targeting, but the the point of whether he did he cross it or not, I think we're going to have chips and footballs eventually. And on the oh, why not? You know, and, so and and it should be it helps you because because on, on that note, Chris, it should what bothered what the, the one thing and I, the one thing that has bothered me so much over the years in football is that the standard for getting a first down is not the same as the standard for getting a touchdown. For to get a touchdown, right, all the ball has to do is touch any part of that white goal line and it's a touchdown. But yet how many times on third and one or fourth and inches do we see a guy and then the, the referee just runs in and marks the ball where he thinks it should be? Like if the ball crosses the plane, it should be a first down. Yeah, and it's difficult because what you see is in a scrum, you're yeah, saying, okay, the ball's in the hand. The hand is about there. So <laughs> that's all you can do. And it's one of the things that I do think, I think we're going to eventually see chips to where you'll be able to do that. And I don't know. I'm not a technology guy, but how you can do it through the length of the field. But in that case, you know, it just makes it pretty simple to be able to do. So, hey, we appreciate it, mate. Our good buddy and – uh, our partner, actually, Don Collins, joining us. We got to uh, thank the folks. I know a lot of folks, we don't have our normal crew joining us uh, of our uh, uh, chat followers because we're on, a, we've moved a little bit earlier. We're going to be doing, adding another show to this channel, actually, an Alabama show right after this with myself and Ryan Fowler. So uh, we're working kind of through that. So uh, some folks may be missing us, but that's why if you're listening to this podcast and you're not watching us live, 
you need to go and sign up and, and subscribe to the Chris Landry Football uh, Twitch channel. You can become the insiders. You can cheer us on. You can join us in the chat room. You can cheer us on a few bits, and you can interact with us. And I know a lot of you do that. Bring the questions each and every week. So make the adjustments. Same show, just an hour earlier now on Tuesdays with Scott and I. As we and people will often ask me, Scott, hey, we don't go away because football is all year round. I mean, we've got exactly. still a lot, a, a, a big couple of weekends of uh, NFL football, but with the draft, with free agency, college football, recruiting, uh, we've got so much stuff to go on. So uh, uh, cheer us on and uh, sign up. That way you're going to get the notification from us when we're getting ready to go on. So if we do something like join you a little bit earlier or maybe a special mm-hmm. edition that Scott and I may do every now and then, you can get it. So check us out and make sure that you sign up for the Chris Landry Football uh, Twitch channel. Yeah, we want to thank Don for the cheer just now. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Don. We appreciate you, brother. Uh, Chris, like we do every, each and every week, we're going to get to a play that we want to highlight from last week's games. And this was – the trick play that occurred in the Saints Bucks uh, game, right? And it's a familiar play because <laughs> it's one that we saw a week earlier where Sean Payton actually admitted that he took this play from the Bears, the one that Sims dropped the touchdown. He put it into the playbook for this week against the Bucks. Walk us through why this play was so successful for a okay. touchdown pass. From Jameis Winston, who obviously has the bigger arm okay. than Drew Brees. Okay, so the big thing before before we start, freeze it, Scott, if you would, because I want to. If you, if you could freeze it there, so Jameis Winston is at the bottom on the forty. So as you see the 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 movement there, you've got Alvin Kamara in the Wildcat formation. So that brings all the attention, and then you bring the motion as you can let it run now from the top. You're bringing all the defensive attention towards Kamara. You've got the fake jet sweep, and obviously look at the attention going to Kamara as you've got the flow going one way, and the you've got the the Kamara the the uh, the uh, drawing all the attention. Look at the four defenders going with Kamara, and you've got obviously wide open down the middle. It is the exact same play that the Bears ran against the Saints. And by the way. It weren't quite as open, but it was wide open. The Bears threw it in the end zone, dropped, and certainly was one of the big parts. But look at making the check, making the adjustment. You see Wildcat, Wildcat, they're making the adjustment. Now you got he motions them over. Now you're getting you're you're getting prepared for the jet sweep. Fake the jet sweep, the flow going to the left by the front, and then the reaction by the defense that's now going out of the picture. You see the reaction going towards Kamara because the ball is absolutely going to Kamara, except you sneak the receiver right down the middle, and no one is there. So, again, as we widen this out, one, two, three, and a fourth guy. Fourth it's, a, guy it's amazing here, Chris, because if you watch – if you watch the play, it seems like the defense knows that – and I'll freeze it when Kamara gets here because after the ball gets flipped to Jameis Winston, the defense recognizes that it's pass. If you freeze right it right now, there. Kamara's open. This is a touchdown to Alvin Kamara yeah, but, if the but, football's but, thrown but, to about the 45. Much more difficult throw, but here's the point. It's the absolute uh, premier design because the flow and the fake handoff gets the flow going to the left as you looked at the screen from the end zone shot. But you've got Kamara leaking out, and that is the clear design and the threat. And as you said, you can make that. Look at where that is, though. Even <laughs> Stop it if you can right yeah. there. Stop it. So even if they make the throw to Kamara, the, the throw is tougher. And if the throw's not perfect and it's a tougher catch, mm-hmm. maybe you've got four. Well, you've got really now two defenders, three defenders that could possibly catch him. But you've got a guy leaking out right in the middle that, again, no one is within 20 yards of him uh, either way. And so Amazing. obviously is now the way it's designed and the read is if they would have picked up the receiver down the middle and Kamara only was one on one then the throw does go to Kamara. So so people look and say it was designed to go down the middle. There is a read involved here. So, again, the flow with the motion that's getting the defensive front to flow. Everyone's – the blocking is blocking that way. It's going to be a sweep. 
Okay, it's a flip back. Now they recognize it. They've got the quarterback. Look at the reaction coming back. And he's even looking at Kamara here. Look at James Looking at Kamara. That's where the flow is. Okay, now, but you've leaked the guy right down the middle, which you can't see yet because no one is, is near him. And so it's very, very simple. No one there. There's no answer there. It's why in a play like this, you want to have a deep safety to be in that position. So it's good play design. And I got to tell you, Sean is, I think Sean's one of the, if not the best, one of the elite play callers in football. He is really uh, always interested in that and stuff that I've done with him. He likes to get cut ups on like college stuff. And if he likes a play, he'll add to it. And, you know, when he was suspended for that year, you know, uh, the late Tom Benson gave him an office in one of his office buildings. And all he did that year was look at film of other like, you know, high school, college or whatever. And he had notebooks like I have this notebooks, this spiral notebooks. He had notebooks and notebooks of plays that he liked. And he said it, it created a new vision for him because you for all these years of coaching he couldn't spend time on that during the season mm-hmm. he spent an entire year doing stuff like that but yet that's a perfect example of a play that was used against them last week and they put it in this week and it came up a touchdown really really impressive uh that he was able to put it and really impressive that they were able to get the the bucks faked out as what well. i love yeah. about this play is traquan smith who's who, who caught the touchdown he's lined up in the slot to the bottom mm-hmm. and when and when the ball is handed off at the top of the screen before it gets flipped back to Jameis winston traquan smith is essentially blocking correct and so no one's guarding it. him because look at him here he's blocking Absolutely. on this play he's and then he releases up the middle and, and it's on it is just such a great it's not just a great design chris it's great execution and how well, many that times, is. How many times yeah. do we talk about plays where you know fans are like i can't believe they called this play it's not just about the play it's about the execution of run, the let's, let's look at it again okay and you'll see him come in he's just out of the screen smith we'll see if we'll, we'll get right it here. so there he comes in and he's blocking now if the you've get two defenders that trail him, the ball would go to Camaro. That's the point. Mm. The read is simply, it's a very simple read because obviously as the flow goes, as you said, he releases the cell there, but also the ability to block it there. It is designed to look like that they're going to block it for the reverse. So everything is to sell the reverse. Then the pitchback basically sells the throwback to Camaro. And if you don't, um, cover uh, Traquan. He leaks out, goes right down the middle, and it's a it's an easy score. If they go down and trail with him, then as you mentioned, you've got Camara there. So it's a really good design and it's a pretty easy throw. And um, Jameis gets the big one. Well, let me ask you: Will we see a similar play this weekend from either of the four teams that are playing on Championship Sunday? Well, you could. I mean, this is a little bit unusual in that you don't normally see people that are going to put something in the week before that was on tape, not for that team, but against an opponent's team. It's usually you like to bring that out, um, and, and it's kind of like you almost timestamp it, Scout. In other words, it's like if if you know somebody's seen it recently, who you know that you know if, if the look looks the same. Um, but, but it, could it be something else? Absolutely. You could see certain things. I think the big thing in play calling and play design, it's to make a play look similar to another play, but do something different out of it. So one of the things you might want to do in a case like that is to be able to run the reverse, but, but this is so designed to have the reverse and all the orbit motion that it just sucked it in. The eye candy just sucked it in. You saw that. You saw the defense flow. And then, obviously, they reacted to Kamara. And as you said, it was Draquan had an easy release. Mm-hmm. You know? But one of the things that defensively you try to teach is you don't allow any release points. You've got to make sure that you jam him in because if you jam him in, then it does go to Kamara and maybe – the throws a little bit off. Maybe it's over the wrong shoulder. Maybe it's incomplete, you know, and then it's a kind of a ruined play, but that's, that's what you've got to do. You can't allow 
the easiest result to just get you right there. And the Bucks didn't. The Bucks completely bit into it. The other thing is it's got to work against the right defense. You're going to play a team that would not work if the team's lining up and playing two deep zone. I mean, you got it. You know, you you just it's not going to happen. You got two two deep guys there, but against an aggressive man front, well, that that's just like taking candy from a baby there. Now I'm thinking about players on teams that could run that play because it's a little different when Jameis Winston comes to the game and you got to expect Jameis Winston to throw the football, right? No one's expecting him to get the ball in a reverse and run. But if it's a receiver now that is throwing the football, like hasn't Stefan Diggs thrown a, a touchdown pass or two? I'm trying to, uh, yeah, in, in his career. He, oh, he's 0 for 1. He did throw an attempt, so that might be, uh, uh, you know, one avenue to, to look at. But I'm trying to think on the other teams that are playing, like is there is there a wide receiver on Tampa that could throw the ball on Green Bay? Lazard could throw it uh, for okay. Green Bay. Um, Tyler Johnson could do it. Um, it wouldn't play a whole lot. Um, on – Buffalo, uh, not so much. Um, now in in and Kelsey, would, Kelsey could throw the ball for Kansas City, I guess. And McCall Hardeman could do it too. Yeah. Um, but the the big and now now you're hitting into why the creative mind, the the guy that loves to drop this stuff, Sean Payton, why he loves Taysom Hill so much. Because mm. see, that is the Taysom Hill play. Yeah. Now think about this: you shouldn't have been fooled because. You know, Jameis is not going to do what Taysom could do. Jameis could throw it. But Taysom Hill, you don't know what Taysom in Taysom Hill's in there. He might throw it. He might run it. He might block. He might be tied in. He might be receiver. Mm-hmm. So he lines up. Pre-snap may not be where he is post-snap. With Jameis, you, in my mind, defensively, if you notice Jameis Winston's in there, he's either A, as a complete disguise, mm-hmm. or B, he's going to throw it. Because you're not throwing it to him. You're not running it with him. He's going to throw it or it's a complete disguise. So I'm not worried about that. You've got to – you can play off of him a little bit. I, I, I That's why he likes Taysom Hill so much because yeah. he allows so much freedom to do that. And, and probably uh, missed him a little bit in this game. You know? no, no, no question mm-hmm. about it. But turnovers were the were – the, with a yeah. killer for the Saints in this one. There's no question about it. Uh, well, let's move on to this weekend. Uh, we got two incredible games. Hard to believe that it's the first – well, not hard to believe because Brady played all these years in the AFC, but it's the first time we're going to get Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. I mean, we've had every possible <laughs> incredible quarterback matchup through the career of Tom Brady and through the career of Aaron Rodgers – now we're getting Rodgers and Brady. It's unbelievable, and it's the first time – I couldn't even fathom this. It's the first time that Aaron Rodgers is going to play in an NFC championship game at Lambeau Field. I know it. He's played in the championship games on the road, but he's never played at one in Lambeau. So I, I just think that this is one heck of a game. Uh, so hard to go against the Packers at home. So hard to go against Tom Brady, but I kind of look at what I saw last week from the the Buccaneers and the Saints, and you know we're talking about number one versus number two in DVOA last week, and it was a great matchup. But the Bucks, for all that they did offensively, Chris, they were aided by the turnovers that you mentioned. They were working with short fields. They didn't essentially put together an eighty-yard drive to score a touchdown, and against the Green Bay Packers against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who does not turn the football over, will they be able to have those long drives and keep pace with an offense that is likely to move the football and and score uh, against against your defense? Well, here's the thing I know. The Bucs um, are going to have to play quite a bit better than they did against the Saints. I, I think the Saints in creating the turnovers were critical, and I think the Saints – self-inflicted wounds really help the cause. Uh, can the Bucks run the football well enough? Uh, Ronald Jones not quite healthy. That's an issue. You can run the football on the Packers. Can the Bucks stay committed to do it? Will they be able to do it enough? That's going to be key. And then defensively, 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, matching points with him is going to be very difficult. Oh, people are going to focus on things like, oh, it's going to be cold. And I, ah, that, that's yeah, Aaron Rod- it doesn't affect Aaron Rodgers, and it hasn't affected Tom Brady in his career. No, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think that's going to be an issue. But what I do think is really important is that I think the Packers – um, defensively, the way you beat them is running the football. I thought that the best chance for the Packers to be beat at home would be by a Saints team with Camaro running the ball. The Saints did not play well. You see Michael Thomas obviously had some ankle injuries. Camaro yeah. did not play well. Armstead was banged up. They, they just didn't play well. I, I think that you've got to go out and attack the Packers, run the football, and attack it that way. It's tough to stop Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get his. He's going to make enough plays, and they are finding a way to run the football. I just think it's going to be awfully tough for the Bucks to match points. But, look, you never know. Uh, Brady's been around. What 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 an amazing thing. I, I tweeted this out this past week. Think about this for a second. As we turn the calendar to 2021, since 2011, okay, that's – that seems kind of like yesterday for me, but that's a long way away. That's a long time ago. Tom Brady has been to the conference championship game every year except 2019. That's every okay. year except 2019. Wow. Uh, in 2019, he's he's made the conference championship game every year since then. I mean, it's just an unbelievable when you're not playing it when you're not playing in the wild card round all you got to do is win one game and they yeah do that yeah year. yeah but you know you look you look at you look at teams you know that's his first wild card game this year that's that's career. exactly right and and so you know well, what does that really mean okay it, it means what scott thinks you win your division you dominate your division every year in new england and you win one game well that's not too difficult well why didn't anybody else that well he's done it for every 40 three you know <laughs> he's done it a long time and he's been real successful think about the teams that lose a game in the first round I mean, yeah. the saints now for what you know well they did win a game against the bears you know but you know lose a game and lose to minnesota twice lose to the rams i mean mm-hmm. you know uh so you know these games these games matter a lot and uh, i think this would be this would be quite an accomplishment if he's able to win. It's not like the biggest upset. I don't think the Packers are a dominant team, but I think that um, I think they've got an advantage here in terms of the matchup. But uh, you know, certainly one of the things that I thought was interesting going into the game last week was that the Bucks had played better. They had run the football a little bit better, and I thought they had some success. And the Saints, uh, again, just I-, I thought it turned on the the turnover. Uh, with Cook. And, uh, you know, Jared Cook is throughout his career, ever since he's come out of South Carolina with the Raiders and with the Saints, drops and fumbles, man, ball security, and he's got good hands. But, boy, he's made some crucial mistakes. And that wasn't it. That wasn't the only thing. But the Saints were not really sharp. And while we saw some, you know, great play there, it just it ha- it didn't all come together. And they're home, and, um, and it looks like Drew Brees is home for a career. And, and you know what's interesting, and it could come into play, uh, you know, there were fans last week in Lambeau, and, and there will be fans again this week uh, in Lambeau. Um, it's not a lot, but there's there were fans, and, and they were loud against the Rams. And yeah, there will be fans, and they will be loud. And I don't think Tampa this year, Chris, has played a road game in front of a crowd. I'm looking at their schedule. They did. They did. They did play last week. You know, they there were some fans in the dome, not not a lot, but you know, in was, in in where in uh in in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. Well, they what, had what? They didn't have that was, not, not well, a lot, but yeah. you know, was 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 enough. I mean, it's some. Yeah. It, considering the dome and the the acoustics, it was something. It, but I I thought. I thought Buffalo made a lot of noise in and out. At Arrowhead, there was a lot of noise. But Arrowhead had a, will have some noise this week, but they, mm-hmm. they had some too. And I do think they'll have some in Lambeau. I think there's no question. But you know what? Lambeau's never been as big of a home field advantage as people think. And you just mentioned it is, yeah, this is kind of weird that um, this is the first time that they that Aaron Rodgers just played a conference championship game at home when they make, made their Super Bowl run. They they made it on the uh, on the road, and then they lost that. That infamous game, if you remember, against the Giants, and boy, that was that bitter cold game. And Eli Lawrence Tynes, 
you know, just a big, big time game. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been a while and it's um, this Packer team. What makes them special in my opinion is that they can run the football better. And I think this helps their defense. It makes them a little bit more complete. So um, I think this is, this is a, a this is going to be interesting and it's going to be difficult, but I, I, I think more than the elements, more than the crowd, I think that the Packers match up pretty well against Tampa, but uh, I'm not going to count on. All right. Let's when we go to the AFC here, a uh, little trivia for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the bills of course, famously won four straight AFC championships. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. They go, they went to the Super Bowl four straight years. They didn't win. We know, you know, I'm not going to say the, the WR wide, right. Uh, but <laughs> they didn't win. Okay. But four straight AFC championship wins. The last time, so number four, the last time the Buffalo Bills appeared in an AFC championship game, who did they beat? The last Super Bowl. Uh, it wasn't the Raiders, huh? It was not the Raiders. So that I believe that would have been 93 because 94 was uh 94 was not the Cowboys. So yeah, it would have to have been 93, I guess, correct? Uh 89, 90, 90, uh, 90 yeah, 90, yeah. 90, 91, 92, 93 were the four years for the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. So who did they beat in their last AFC championship game? Uh, wasn't Kansas City. Huh? It was Kansas City. Yeah, it was, it was Kansas was City Chiefs. 30 to 13. The um, last time the Buffalo Bills made the AFC Championship game. Now they're back in the AFC Championship game for the first time since beating the Kansas City Chiefs. So a little yeah, history on the side of the little, Buffalo Bills. Little Marty Ball, yeah, I think. <laughs> I give you another one that's really interesting is do you realize that the Chiefs um are now hosting a conference championship game three years in a row? And that hasn't been done since the Philadelphia Eagles, Did also it. coached by, by Andy, Andy Reid. That's right. So it's uh, Andy. You know, you talk about consistency of having a team and being really good, and people yeah. say, "Well, poor Andy, he's never won one except for last year. He yeah. got it done." But you know, the consistency of having a team that's been really good. So yeah, that's the it's the the only two teams have ever done it. It's been coached by Andy Reid. So uh, I was impressed by how Kansas City got off you know, to an early start last week against the Browns. But, boy, all their games have been one-possession games. They haven't blown people out. And uh, something tells me this is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's – you know, I do think the Bills are a really balanced team. Um, I think that this Chiefs defense can be aggressive and give up some plays. I think they can make some plays as well. Um, But, you know, I I think obviously the storyline is – look, I mean, I – I haven't doubted for a second whether Patrick Mahomes is going to play. I cannot imagine at all, 100%. Uh, There's some people that are still wondering about it, still questioning. So I don't think there's any way that's the case. And so, you know, people have asked me, well, they can, can they win without him? And it's like, I haven't really given it any thought because I haven't really given any thought to him not playing. Um, But I will say this. I was so impressed by, you know, in, in some ways being a, a Brown alum and, you know, you know, excited that they were able to get back in that game, make it a contest. I would have hated for the chiefs to lose because Mahomes went out and had mm-hmm. to, come out. um, but how about being able to make a play the third and 16 run. Oh, my Unbelievable. God. I mean, no, I mean, I'm talking about the last play. Oh, that too. Yeah. I am thinking I am. The third and 16 run was great, and he almost gets it. But I'm thinking, oh, well, clearly they're going to go up there, give a lot of little sugar pre-snap, try take to draw penalty off that, and then kick the yeah. – take, take a timeout, I thought, okay. and yeah. then try to think, you know, okay – what are we going to do? Punt it, go for it, come with a different play. I'm thinking they're going to try to get them a little bit out of sorts with a different little personnel look and get them jumping, and then they call timeout and go jumbo and try to do sneak, whatever. When they snapped it, I'm like, I was a gasp. I mean, I thought, holy mackerel, and they throw it. And 
And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was like Andy Reid would have got a big pair of onions right there to be able to get that done. That, that's, that's impressive. That's Andy, though. And it's amazing because remember, what do they do with, in, in this situation with Patrick Mahomes? They're going for it and they're yeah, putting the ball in his hands and they're doing everything. You run, you throw it. It's, you got Chad Henney in the game. No problem. We're going to do what we always do. Chad, you're no different than Mahomes. You go out and make that play and do it. I, you know, I just didn't see that. That shows the kind of confidence that you build and in almost how the personality of the team takes over the aggressiveness of the quarterback mm-hmm. and the coach has confidence and it just kind of permeates through the team. So everybody says, hey, we got this. We can run the same play. We can do the same thing as if Patrick is here. I can make that throw. That's simple. That's an easy throw. I'll make that catch. And I I just thought it was in the end like, wow. Because if it the- doesn't happen and if it's yeah. dropped or something, everyone is criticizing it. But what a what a gutsy call it. What's amazing is, you know, for, for, for people that criticize resting your players at the end of the year, uh, you know, the Chiefs earn the right to rest their players in week 17. And how valuable, Chris, was it that Chad Henney played the entire game in week 17 because he had to come into the game and now he's not a cold backup quarterback that hasn't played in two years. He is a quarterback that just played 60 minutes of football less than two weeks ago. He, 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 he just went through an entire week of practice as the number one quarterback and he played an entire game. So it's not like he's just his backup that has to come in and he's cold and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a deer in headlights. No, he just played. And that's the value of being able to maybe rest your starters at the end of the year and put in somebody like your backup quarterback, because God forbid the situation happens. You know, I I guarantee you the Ravens would have felt a lot better about themselves if Tyler Huntley had a couple of quarters under his belt before he actually had to come into the game in relief of Lamar Jackson. Well, Chad Henney had four quarters of football less than two weeks prior to coming into that game. And he looked calm, cool and collective under the most extreme pressure circumstances. Oh, there's no question about it. And I think one of the toughest jobs, I mean, people say it's a great job and it is, if you're a backup quarterback and in particular, if you're a veteran and you're not taking a lot of snaps and you know, the wear and tear in your body, you can play a long time because you're not playing and your the pace pretty good, <laughs> uh, but you gotta be prepared on very short reps, very few amount of reps. So as you mentioned, you get valuable time towards the end and uh, you don't think of it uh, in that way a whole lot. You think of it in terms of getting your starters rest, but you are getting some key backups, some key spots. Quarterback's the most notable and the most important, but I think that goes for other positions too. Sure. How many uh, offensive linemen exit the game? Yeah, yeah you, got, you guys, guys go out, and what are you going to do here? Well, now here's what we're going to do in this week 16, 17. We're going to play, you know, these guys, and 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 you get get some work done because you never know who you might need to turn to in in a in a key moment in the playoffs when somebody goes down. Um, it so I think there's a there's an added benefit to doing that. So uh, what really really um really a, a marquee game, you know, one versus two, a little different look than one versus five. The Bucks have earned it there. But this, to me, looked like from, you know, there was a point where it looked like the Steelers were pretty good with their record, but then then you could see kind of that past the midway point and the Bills started to get healthy. For several weeks now, it looked to me like it was the Chiefs and the Bills. And you could make yeah. the case that the Chiefs on tape, when I watched them, they didn't look like a great team. They were kind of just getting by, but you knew they had the ability to kind of turn it on. They're so explosive. Um, these are the two best teams in the AFC, no question about it. And in the NFC, heck, you know, uh, you can't deny the the Bucks. I mean, they made it to this point, and um, we all know the circumstances of the NFC East. Um, and you know, while the Bucks did not do well against the Saints the first two times they matched up. They were able to get it done in the key moment and, um, you know, good for them. And uh, now, now the whole thing is, is it going to be the first team that's going to get a chance to play in the Super Bowl in their home field? Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going with the Packers and I'm going with the Bills. 
I, I get to go with the Bills, yeah. I'm yeah. going Packers and the Bills. I think the Chiefs have played with fire too many times this season. And against the Buffalo Bills, you, you're going to get burned. You uh, know, last year, we did this too. Last year, the Chiefs, I mean, you know, you go back, study it, and look at it. I mean, every game looked like they put, they dug themselves a hole. And, and you they think, came and, back and won it. And they did. It, it's like. You know, they were down 24 to to the Texans. No, there there was no way they could beat the Texans (laughs) unless the Texans contributed to the cause, and they did. They did. It began began a downward spiral, beginning of the end for for Bill O'Brien, in which he began to try to change things this past year, and it didn't work. But that's a game that there's no way they should have won. The mistakes um, that put them in a hole, but, you know, to some degree against – you know, Tennessee, and then even in the Niners in the Super Bowl, they're down. And yet you get the feeling if they're down 17 points in the fourth quarter and they can somehow get three possessions and they could get a couple of stops, mm-hmm. they're, they're probably going to win. I agree with you. If they play around with Buffalo, this Buffalo team could could knock them out. This Buffalo team has enough balance. It has enough defense to come up with enough situational stops. Look, I think if the Chiefs played their best game and the Bills played their best game, I think the Chiefs win. But I do agree that the Bills are a little bit more well-rounded, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Buffalo pulls the upset here. I, I really could see it, and it's and it to me it wouldn't it wouldn't be all that surprising as you said for the way the Chiefs have played. Mm-hmm. And last week got off to a good start, but kind of. And I know the injury to Mahomes was the big factor, and maybe they they put the game away and win, you know, win decisively if not for that. But I think there are a lot of issues there, and you wonder. I'm not worried so much about Mahomes' play, but I worry a little bit about, you know, the Chiefs and their ability sometimes to play in a very aesthetic, pleasing, aesthetically pleasing way, but but sometimes fundamentally they go yeah. through stretches where they're not as good. This this I think people who are locking the Chiefs in um, I'm not going to be surprised either way here. I think the Bills got a real good shot. You know, we will have a full Super Bowl breakdown over the next two weeks. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll try and get some guests on and, and and have some fun with it next week with the week off uh, before the Super Bowl, and then obviously leading up into the big game, we're going to take care of all of that. And then you guys got to keep it locked, not just to the Twitch channel uh, here at Twitch.tv/slash Chris Landry Football, but also to LandryFootball.com for all the analysis on uh, the, re- the recaps of Championship Sunday and then the previews of the Super Bowl, which will be plentiful. But also, Chris, we got college football news. We got coaching news. Uh, my Jets made the right hire, Robert Salah. I'm very happy about that. Uh, Hard nosed guy is going to put the, you know, uh, he's going to, he's going to, he's going he's gonna to get to work, Chris. And I'm very, I'm very excited about that. I think you're going to like the staff that he's putting yeah. together too. We've got all that in our notebook, and you know, obviously, big news. Uh, we've talked about on on this channel. Um, on the SEC show and, and a few of the others, the, 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 what seemingly was coming down the pike at Tennessee, mm-hmm. now official with Jeremy Pruitt gone. We'll go details into that, uh, an NFL, a unique situation. And I'm going to break it down on the scouts. Eye show right here on this channel tomorrow. You want to make sure that you listen, because you had an issue where LSU was trying to get a member of the Saints staff to be their defensive coordinator and how the Saints were able to keep them. And that is interesting because I'm calling it the the I-10 controversy because it's 70-mile 70, <laughs> 70 stretch. I mean, the Saints fans or um, – excuse me, the LSU fans are like going ballistic over the Saints and bleep you, Peyton, and all that. I mean, it's just becoming interesting. So I'm going to get into that. So there's some defensive coordinator searches still on for LSU. Um, Texas, Steve Sarkeesian – closing in on a really good defensive coordinator that he's going to add. So a lot of that stuff going on, as Scott mentioned, we're going to have the full breakdowns of the two conference championship games, but going to have complete breakdowns of each and every NFL team's roster as we go into free agency. You probably have heard it out there. We're not going to have our normal combine. The former combine director, 34 straight years, they've been to every one. They're going to be kind of piecemealed a little bit into different areas. So the draft preparation process is going to be a little different, but fear not, we're going to have all the detailed information 
on Landry football uh, with scouting reports on all the draft prospects, uh, all the free agent news and notes. So it's actually a busier time than during the season. During the season, it's all ball and it's all games. Now it's coaching searches, it's staff, yeah. and it's players, it's player movement, and it's tags and, you know, uh, letting guys go and redoing deals. And, you know, and then it's player movement from one team to the other, and you've got the draft. And it's in college, my goodness, the transfer portal is enough to make you dizzy. So the notebooks <laughs> are worth its price of admission. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. But keep it here. We are looking to add, and we'll be adding, uh, more shows to the Chris Landry channel. We've got some things in the work that we're working on, including a show that we're going to try to add here quickly um, uh, after this one each and every week, an Alabama show uh, that I do currently uh, in radio in that market. We're going to pop it up on here and do an extra hour. So we're really excited about that. We appreciate everybody committing. Uh, Spartan Martin, we're running out of time here, but Meyer staff, who's on Meyer staff? Former Shout Rutgers head coach Meyer. Chris Ash. Chris Ash, he's got a lot of a lot of good guys on that staff that he's putting together. Some of it, Charlie Strong, right now. Charlie Strong has been added. Raheem Morris is not going to be on there, um, but uh, the defensive staff. Uh, Joe Cullen is probably going to join them. So we've got a lot going on there. Got got it updating our notebook on Landry football, uh, and also uh, we're gonna we're gonna see uh, what's going on with the, the rest of the coaching moves. Uh, obviously waiting on the Eagles and the Texans. Uh, a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson. No, I don't think he's going to your Jets. I don't think Deshaun Watson leaving, is leaving Houston. But how they deal with that, who they hire, is it going to be Eric Bieniemy? I know they, they had a Zoom interview with him. Those are the two remaining head coaching openings. All the others are done. Um, so we, we've kind of come a long way over the last week, 10 days. Uh, as we mentioned, we were just getting the Jets getting ready to kick it off, and the Jets – kind of spurred a, a, enough movement uh, around the league. A lot of coordinator openings as well. So check it out at Landry Football. We still got our holiday special going. Uh, kind of take advantage of that. LandryFootball.com. You can subscribe to all the shows in podcast form by going to wherever you get your podcasts from and checking out Landry Football's conference call. But we are right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Football at a new time, 6 o'clock Eastern. And uh, we'll, all our shows are available. If you miss any of the shows, you can just click on the videos on the page and watch some of the old shows as well. Follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me on Twitter at Air. We'll update you when the show's on. But if you subscribe to the channel, you'll get the notification right away of when we were on live. So we'll talk to you next week as we continue uh, our push towards the Super Bowl. Will it be Tampa? Will it be Green Bay? Will it be Buffalo? Will it be Kansas City? Well, we'll see. Chris, I'll talk to you next week. I look forward to enjoy the games. We'll break it down for you next week, everybody. Take care, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.